3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends just trying to, well, keep you from losing a lot of money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate. Put days like this in context. Call me 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. In the stock market, and perhaps only in the stock market, words speak louder than actions. That's how it works when a regional Fed president can say some things about rate hikes on CBC and knock down the entire stock market without the help of a real rate hike. The Dow tumbling 533 points, the S&P sinking 1.3 percent, and the Nasdaq losing 0.92 percent. Yep, this morning, James Bullard, the St. Louis Fed president, came on air and said we could get hit with a rate hike as soon as late 2022. Given that Fed chief Jay Powell just had told you not to worry until, say, late 23, I can't blame anyone for feeling surprised or spooked by Bullard's comments. But the truth is... This is exactly how it is supposed to be done. This is so well orchestrated. Powell says he wants to be sure that the economy keeps growing, but Boll reminds us that we need to be wary of inflation. By the time the actual rate hike rolls around, whether we're talking late 2022 or late 2023, nobody will care. I couldn't orchestrate this better myself. And I've been through every Fed tightening cycle since 81. These guys are total pros. I mean, I think they'll be able to crush inflation just by talking about the idea of raising interest rates, not necessarily having to raise them. That's the good news. The bad news is that the sell-off probably isn't done. As we told you on Monday with the help of Larry Williams, that legendary technician we like so much, history says we're in for a series of miserable days. This is a pattern that's held true every year for the last 22 years. Why would we not think it would repeat itself again? And it means we could have another Say down two or three days uh, before the late June swoon comes to an end. So why don't we start there with the recognition that the Fed is in warning mode, and warning mode, just like when the warning mode goes off in your car, can be brutal. Good place to start because Bullard, oh well, guess what? He's speaking again Monday, and uh, if he wants to, he can walk things back. But I don't think he will. That's why I suspect that we aren't yet out of the woods. Let's parse what Bullard has to say. Uh, If he doesn't drop the 2022 rate hike talk, I expect the averages to keep getting hit, with money flowing into the high-growth stocks by midday, perhaps late day, that thrive in a slowing economy, and uh, Adobe, NVIDIA, a couple others I'm going to mention, and flow out of construction, farm equipment, aerospace, oil plays, industrials, especially if oil falls, the other commodities lower. Yep. Commodities of all shapes and sizes are retreating right now after an unprecedented run because traders are suddenly worried the Fed will lower the boom on them with a series of swift rate hikes. It's been done before. It will happen again. Some people say we're getting mixed messages from the Fed. I mean, that, 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 why, that's why on uh, Tuesday, well, we've got to pay close attention to what Jay Powell speaks again. If he wants to take the bullets out of Bullard's blunderbuss, he can do so. But I don't think he will. Bullard's comments are too useful when it comes to getting inflation under control. Hey, why don't you do this? Consider Powell and Bullard basically good cop and bad cop, even though I can tell you in real life, both these guys are really good guys. So if Powell doesn't defang Bullard's comments and the market falls, I think that's the time to do some selective buying and higher growth stocks like Adobe, which shot the lights out last night, or AMD, which will soon close on the Xilinx deal, or Amazon, which is about to have Prime Day, which is really a two-day shopping extravaganza that begins on Monday. Why don't you call them the AAAs? I got a AAA card. Do you have one? I got into a museum for, like, I saved $16. True, on Saturday. Wednesday, after running that gauntlet of Fed speak, it's time to return to reality with two earnings supports, Winnebago and KB Homes. Now we know the RV and motorhome industry is on fire right now, but it hasn't mattered to the stocks at all. Four industries is basically sold out of motorhomes for the year. And yet when reports it got no lift whatsoever. Maybe if Winnebago tells a good story, Thor can move too. That said, many people think of these as a pandemic play because Winnebagos are cleaner, safer way to take a vacation. So maybe the stock goes down no matter what. All right, how about this KB Homes? It needs to confirm everything that Lenard just told us about the fantastic state of the housing market yesterday morning. I know the home builders are incredibly cyclical, but it won't be knocked down by a few early rate hikes. That are still a year or two down the road, provided the home builders speak in unison about the strength of the market. If KB Homes does that, I, I, I would actually circle back to Lennar if it's down on Monday because it's been the biggest beneficiary from the current cycle. And it just reported a magnificent quarter Wednesday night. By the way, very good conference call. Accenture reports on Thursday morning. And the tech consultant's greatness continues to elude people. I recommend listening to the conference call because Accenture is a great source of information about how businesses can improve their efficiency by going digital. They help you go digital. They also have a lot to say about the overall demand for tech hardware, which I think is very strong. Thursday night we have two maker breaks for the entire market. We got Nike and we got FedEx. Of the two, Nike is the most problematic. Remember, it's a Dow stock because we're expecting a big number from their U.S. business. But at the same time, the possibility of a weaker Chinese number, think boycott, is very much on the table. We sold Nike a long time holding the charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club, because we didn't want some overly aggressive analyst trying to make a name for him or herself. They ask CEO John Donahue on the, John, on the conference call, hey, John, what do you think about religious freedom in China? Can you imagine? I mean, is a great guy. That's a, tough, that's a tough one. China's a big market for them. Uh, it, his answer could crush the stock. Still, if Nike can make the numbers... And they can dodge that question. I suspect they'll be rewarded with a series of price target boosts, maybe even an upgrade or two because it's fallen so much. Great story. But not if China stays as important as it's been. And it's hard to ever think that China will be minimized. FedEx. All right, I think FedEx is a fantastic situation, but this is one that may not be able to maintain its momentum. Remember, when United Parcel spoke recently, the stock got crushed. Could be that growth eludes them because they want good profit margins. I think FedEx can do both. It's that well run right now, and it does have the edge over UPS, although the UPS price is better. So I'm saying the next time UPS reports, I might buy some more for the travel trust, We sold some higher because it is a good story. An extremely negative reaction to the recent analyst day actually took me by surprise. Finally, on Friday, we get the best read on small and medium sized business formation. When we hear, of course, from Paychex, the payroll processor that we spend so much time talking to on the show. Typically, the stock comes in hot and then gets clobbered no matter what when they say even good things. This time, the stock's been clobbered ahead. So it might be a good buy going into the quarter. The market's down, down, down. This day, you buy some paychecks. Okay, the last time we had paychecks on the show, they still hadn't seen any pickup lift at all. Business formation around the country. Judging from my own experience, though, they might change their tune this quarter. We also get the single most important heads up about the biggest source of inflation in this entire economy, and that's used cars. We'll get it from CarMax. Yes, CarMax reports and it will tell us what we need to know about the biggest jumper. It was even referenced, I don't know if you heard it, what Chairman Powell talked about it, as being used cars are a real big problem. The automakers can't keep up with demand because of the semiconductor shortage, so people who would need used cars are buying them you know, need cars desperately, they're buying them used, and they're buying them actually through the price of new cars right now. That, now that we have finally a break in commodities, we need to hear that used cars have become more plentiful. Unfortunately, I doubt that's what we're going to hear from CarMax. Could be tough. Bottom line, on Monday I warn you that today and next Monday could be very ugly, and then you can start picking some things up late in Tuesday or early Wednesday. Looks remember we're going for singles and doubles next week. There's no need to swing for the fences. In this new, more treacherous market, you're only going to strike out. I want to go to David in my home state of New Jersey. David. Hi, Jim. Thanks David. for taking my call from of Sunny Summit, New Jersey. Yes. I- Hilltopper. I bought Newell Brands ticker NWL on the day before the Memorial Day weekend as you and the Larry Williams charts recommended. Yes. The shorter the shorter holding period recommended expired with the stock down but not below the stop. The longer holding period suggested ended today. The stock is down about 8%. After the Fed announcements the last few days and your strong recommendation to continue to buy stocks that offer good returns, is Newell Brands a buy? Oh, it's a buy. Look, This is a multi-year turning Newell, and it actually will transcend the summer. I love that Williams piece, but Newell, this is a new Newell. It reminds me of the old, old Newell. I would stay long the stock, fellow Hilltopper. Let's go to Jack in Missouri. Jack. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Not bad. How about you, Jack? Good. Um, first of all, I need to thank you for your action alert. It's wonderful. Oh, Everyone I should hope have you it. like yesterday's conference call. I threw, the, I threw everything at you. <laughs> and uh, your staff and uh, even all the folks at uh, CNBC, they help me all day. And then I'd like to see you in the morning and then finish up in the evening. But uh, I, I actually would love to just tell everybody at the staff that because everybody needs to hear it. We've been working really hard. Uh, so go ahead. Let me help. Four and a half years ago, my wife and I started investing. And after all of your help, we are financially secure for the rest of our lives. There you go. That's why we do it. That's why I haven't (laughs) retired. There we are. I'm right here. I'm not (laughs) going going anywhere because of you, Jack in Missouri. Back in March, I purchased uh, some Boeing, about 100 shares of it, and it really hasn't gone anywhere. Do I need to hang on to that or sell yes. it and, Yes. Yes. Now, I think people are worried, Jack. And again, thank you for those kind comments. I think when they report, people are going to be worried that they might do a giant equity offering. I think I have said over and over again, I do not think this quarter is good. I have been saying that I think the stock goes lower. That said, I do want you to buy it. OK, so earlier this week, I warned you that today could be ugly. Wow. By the way, I'm expecting even more paint on Monday. After that, maybe we'll start picking among the rubble. I'll be here to help. On Man Money tonight, does today's decline following comments from a top Fed official have you searching for plays that work in a slow-growth economy? I'll tell you which stocks to add to your shopping list. And plenty of people have boarded Kathy's Ark. But is it still worth following the money manager's investments? I'm going to take a closer look at how they work. And the dominoes keep falling in the global supply chain. Uh, Demands pushing capacity to the brink. But could a private company help the shipping industry find a solution and maybe some more space on those containers? Don't miss my sit-down with Flexport. And stay with Kramer.
4: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets.
3: When you think the market is headed lower, sell, 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 When you come out with specific days where it's likely to fall, you're not allowed to be shocked by the ugliness of the action. Yet that's how a lot of people seem to be feeling after the one-two punch of Fed Chair j Powell. Acknowledging he may need to raise interest rates in 2023. And then St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard telling us on CNBC that those rate hikes might come as soon as 2022. At least the late portion. Obviously, the stock market never likes anything that signals higher rates might be coming sooner than expected. When it comes to the Fed, Wall Street's scared of its own shadow. That's just how the market always reacts. That is one reason, the major reason, why I shared Larry Williams' technical work earlier in the week, Monday, because he spotted a late June swoon pattern that's played out every year for the last 22 years. His conclusion, if you want to do some buying, you should wait until the closer, let's say, to the end of next week and not this week. Of course, when the stock market's down, there's always an impulse to do something, anything, I mean, to react to the decline. But sometimes the best thing you can do is nothing. I think it's too soon to buy the dip, both because of the calendar issue and because there'll be more people reacting to the board interview on Monday. But I also probably think it's a little too late to sell. Once we get that washout, I recommend buying tech because tech historically is what works when investors are worried about slowing growth. I can already hear the objection: Slowing growth? Isn't the economy supposed to be red hot? Look, I still think we got a strong economy. But there were many areas that seemed to be overheating and they're now cooling down. Rather quickly, basically, we had a bunch of shortages that produced much higher prices, but those shortages are taking care of themselves thanks to the magic of the free market, something that J-PAL predicted a long time ago. The entire commodity complex is swooning, reminding us that no matter what you hear, these markets tend to be self-regulating. Commodities are usually the first to roll over. That's great news for the consumers. Roaring uh, commodity prices were a very big reason why the price of food just keeps going up and up. Meanwhile, we had a surge in chemical prices after winter storm Uri knocked out all sorts of petrochemical plants along the Gulf Coast. Oh, that's been terrible for consumers. Higher plastic costs flow through to just about everything. So it's great that a bunch of new plants are coming online. And that should bring down the price of plastics. Even in a booming economy, when new capacity comes online, prices calm down. Lumber, soy, Corn, copper, oh, you name it, it's falling. Yep, we're getting inflation under control, strictly through the Fed's jawboning. We didn't need a rate hike. We just needed them to float the idea of some rate hikes two years from now. That way, whenever we get the actual rate hike, there's no giant sell-off because the surprise was already baked in. It's being baked in right now. This was the cake being made today. But say you don't believe me. Maybe you think technical analysis is a bunch of hocus pocus, that the 22 year thing you've decided, well, this is year 23. It's not going to happen. Stuff from Larry Williams is about a June swoon. That's meaningless. I say fine. Put that aside. Let's look for something that works in this environment with a strong catalyst coming. Something like Amazon. Next week on Monday and Tuesday, they have their big prime day sale. I'm buying a pair of Zeiss uh, binoculars, unless you want to buy them for me. And I think that we that this is going to show you how strong the franchise is post-pandemic. I mean, Amazon, with its Prime Day, is exactly the kind of stock I could see buying here. We just got a piece of research from J.P. Morgan pointing out that the retail business is on fire. The Prime Day is going to be great. Web services is worry, And best of all, the advertising business could bring in $28 billion in revenue this year with big gross margins. That's a huge number. There, you have a catalyst, an incredible data point, and a group that works when people are worried about a slowing economy. I give you my blessing to buy Amazon on Monday, but only if it's down. Otherwise, just take a pass. Man Money is back after the break.
4: Coming up, her company has been taking the competition to the woodshed with bold positions. What do you need to know right now about Wall Street's one-woman wrecking crew? Kramer explains next.
3: six weeks, the hyper-growth stocks have finally shown some signs of life after spending months in the doghouse. But before you get too excited, you need to know that we're not going back to the speculative mania of 2020. Why not? All right, look. Last year, these turbochar- turbocharged growth stocks benefited from what I call a powerful virtuous circle. There was so much money pouring into the group that it would send the stocks higher, which in turn lured in even more money. The best example, look at ARK Invest, the family of exchange-traded funds run by Kathy Wood, arguably the best money manager of 2020, who made people fortunes with some terrific cold shots, like pushing Tesla and Bitcoin at much lower levels. Much lower. Really fabulous. Thanks to her incredible performance, Wood's f- funds... We're obviously flooded with money last year. It's something we talked about five months ago, how all this cash coming in gave her a ton of firepower. If you tried to bet against the hyper-growth stocks, you were betting against Kathy Wood with a bazooka. But earlier this year, the speculative growth stocks went out of style on the Wall Street fashion show, as investors rotated into the kind of boom-and-bust cyclical stocks that make the most money in a rapidly expanding economy. Now, I warn you that ARK's funds suffered from a glaring flaw A ridiculous lack of diversification. So as Kathy Wood's favorite holdings lost their momentum, her ETFs, they got hammered. Right now, though, I'm less concerned with the performance of ARK Invest ETFs and more concerned with the fund flows, meaning how much new money is coming into their coffers to manage. Five months ago, ARK was still benefiting from the virtuous circle I talked about at the beginning of the year. Kathy Wood had all this new money coming in, and she used it to buy even more of her favorite stocks, which pushed them higher still, bolstering the performance of her funds, which then brings in even more money. While ARK Invest ETFs all peaked in February, these positive fund flows continued through April. Initially, there was a buy-the-dip mindset. Given Wood's tremendous track record, and again, I credit her, tremendous, lots of investors kept throwing money at the funds, a weakness. But you see, that's no longer the case. Buyers can only take so much underperformance. So in May, ARK experienced its first month of negative flows in over a year and a half. So far, those negative flows have continued through June, even as ARC's signature funds have rebounded from their lows. In short, even with the hyper growth stocks bouncing off the bottom, the bulls here have a lot less firepower because Kathy Wood no longer has a bazooka. So I want you to just look at ARK Invest's largest funds. Right now, they have Eight ETFs, but the top three is worth the rest. you got the ARC Innovation, the flagship fund that surged from $125 at the beginning of the year to just under 60, $160. At its February highs, $125, $160. OK, and these are all really ch- good charts of what I look to be head and shoulders patterns. Since then, it's pulled back hard, falling to 119 as of today. At these levels, ARC's Innovation Fund is now, down now nearly 5% for the year. S&P's up 11%. Nasdaq's gained nearly 9% over the same period. ARK Innovation's largest holdings are Tesla, Teladoc, Roku, Square, Shopify, Zillow, and Zoom Video. These are great companies, but they're also widely viewed as COVID stocks that Wall Street lost interest in once people started getting vaccinated in large numbers. Then there's ARK's genomic revolution. Their biotech fund is down 7% for the year, including a roughly 25% plunge from its February highs. Once again, same pattern. There, you got, uh, ARK, then you got ARC Next Generation Internet, which is only down less than 2% for the year, even as it's fallen nearly 25% from its February highs. Do not get me wrong, though. Kathy Wood's still an incredible long-term performer. Since the end of 2019, her five largest ETFs are all up more than 100%, trouncing the benchmarks. Deservedly so. She is a wizard. Her smaller funds have done better than the larger ones this year, even as they've come down substantially from their highs. But tonight, we're not really trying to evaluate Kathy Wood's performance. That really doesn't interest me in this piece. We're trying to get our heads around the ARC invest phenomena in itself. So let's talk fund flows. Whenever there are more buyers than sellers of an ETF, third-party market makers will effectively create new shares. They buy up all the underlying stocks, then turn those stocks into the ETF issuer and receive a corresponding number of new shares. When that happens, it's called an inflow. And like I said before, inflows create virtuous circles. For every year, ARK Invest funds benefited from some enormous inflows. However, you can also have outflows. If there are more sellers than buyers, then ETF shares can be redeemed. Third-party market makers will turn in their units and get a basket of the underlying stocks in return, which they then sell. And And that outflow obviously puts downward pressure on the whole basket of stocks in the ETF. Now, heading into the hyper growth peak in February, ARK Invest was still seeing massive inflows, more than $8 billion in January, followed by just under $8 billion in February. Would have been closer to $10 billion if not for some massive outflows at the last four trading days of the month, as some investors got spooked when the super speculative growth stocks started, started to collapse. Now, ever since what we highlighted the Ark Invest phenomenon in January, we've been watching the fund flows here in tedious detail. Once March rolled around, Kathy Wood's favorite stocks were getting clocked, but her fund still brought in new money, albeit a lot less than February. Ark's total inflows in March came in at seven hundred eighty-one million. That's a lot of money. April was a real battleground. Ark had heavy inflows early in the month, followed by severe outflows in the last couple of weeks. In the end, ARC finished April with $120 million in total inflows, so net positive. There was still money coming in, but it was a lot less than January and February. Now, last month, though, it feels like investors just they threw in the towel. According to data from Bloomberg, May was ARC Invest's first month of outflows since October of 2019. For the whole month, the entire family of funds sold $1.9 billion in outflows. So for June's looking a little less ugly. As of last night, ARK Invest has just over $100 million worth of outflows, with all that weakness coming during the first week. Since then, though, there's been some improvement but not enough to offset the earlier damage. Remember, as Wood has always clicked the point out, always, 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 she does not run a mutual fund. She herself is not suffering from redemptions. I repeat, she is not suffering from redemptions. However, these inflows and outflows still matter to her performance because they force third-party market makers to buy or sell the stocks she owns as they create or redeem shares of the fund. Still, it seems pretty clear that the ARK Invest phenomenon is no longer in play. We're not seeing major outflows here, but the ear of Kathy Wood propping these stocks up with her own buying bazooka, I think it appears to be over. Of course, now that Wall Street's fixated on the idea that the Fed might tap the brakes to cool down the economy, Wood's beloved hypergrowth stocks could potentially come back into style. But don't expect them to zoom like they did late last year and early this year. Here's the bottom line. When you look at the funds flows, ARK Invest no longer popping up the turbocharged growth stocks, which makes the recent rebound feel a lot more significant to me. Maybe if this group keeps climbing, Kathy Wood can get her bazooka back. But until then, the Wood stocks will rise or fall on their own. Let's go to Kurt in Connecticut. Kurt.
1: Hey, Jim, how you doing? Big fan. Uh, Huge fan, actually.
3: Thank you, Kurt. How can I
1: help? Uh, real quick, I just want to give a shout-out to Kathy and Suzanne visiting from Maine, and I had a question about Alcoa. Okay. I bought, I bought a bunch of Alcoa in
3: April of 2000, um, sold about half of it about a month and a half ago, and I'm wondering what I should be doing. Hey, you think got to sell it it. I, call, I think uh, aluminum is going uh, to roll over here. Uh, It's been way up, too far up. Uh, These stocks, these uh, action commodity stocks are coming in. So let's do a little selling. I don't want to give a big gain up, Okay. Now, Kathy Wood's hyper growth stocks could rise again amid the Fed backdrop. They're supposed to, but don't expect them to see explosive gains like they did last year and earlier this year. Now, there's much more mad money ahead. The pandemic has created shipping complexities that have ricocheted across the globe. From congested ports to soaring consumer demand. I'm talking with a private player, not a public company, working to manage the unknowns. Then, does your portfolio have what it takes to succeed in this market? I'll be the judge of the most popular segment we have. It's called Am I Diversified? And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. you hear about people griping about inflation. Remember, the underlying cause often involves fixable supply chain problems. For example, look at transportation. Right now, we've got a multi-month backlog, say, at the Port of Los Angeles, uh, which the dock workers are desperately trying to clear before the busy season kicks off in August. That's the Christmas season, believe it or not. Meanwhile, thanks to a new COVID outbreak in China's Guangdong province, they've got a pile of shipping containers so large you can see it from space. So, how do you solve the ocean freight problem? Increasingly, businesses are turning to Alphas like Flexport, which is a privately held software company that uses data analytics to help its clients manage the complexity of global logistics. Flexport came in at number 41 on CNBC's Disruptor 50 list for 2021, which is a great way to find companies. And while it's still small, it can become a significant player in global trade. So let's take a closer look with Ryan Peterson. He's the founder and CEO of Flexport. To learn more about his platform and the global shipping crisis, Mr. Peterson, welcome to Mad Money. Oh, yeah, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Oh yeah, right. Back at you. All right. So tell me something, Ryan. Everyone says this is intractable. There's nothing we can do. And then I look at what Flexport does and I say, wait a second. It's intractable. I want to hire Flexport. I mean, what's going on here?
1: You know what? There are some solutions here. And there's technology that exists today that you can deploy to help this. I think a couple of simple examples. For one, you have a problem. If you're a brand, you're trying to ship something, it's very hard to get space on a boat. They're all full. And and the price is really high. However, when we looked across, we used machine learning and looked across all the containers we ship, about 400,000 containers that we're shipping right now, they're only 70% full. So we can put more stuff in the containers. Very simple solution. We're working with our clients to say, hey, let's stuff the thing full because I can't put more containers on the ship, but I can put more stuff in the container. That's number one. Two is actually having technology to tell your customer when the stuff is going to arrive. Because if you can at least tell them, hey, it's delayed, maybe they're still willing to buy. Rather, It's a lot better than out of stock, right? Right. right. There's a few very simple solutions that are right available right now and don't cost a lot.
3: Well, is there a possibility? Uh, tell me what it's like if I were at the Los Angeles port. Would I be thinking, wait a second, I better go through the Panama Canal and go to Baltimore? I mean, is it that bad? Well, you know what?
1: You could have the exact same problem over there. So it doesn't solve the problem. And it, it really is that bad. You're having, I think the best way for us to understand this as ordinary people is the traffic jam. We've all been stuck in one. In fact, my mom once told me, you're not in a traffic jam, you are the traffic jam. And what happens with a traffic jam is that until the flow, it's not enough to return the flow to normal. You actually have to go way below normal. And with the consumer demand, all the uh, purchases shift from services over to goods, you had this huge surge, right? So it created a traffic jam. And now we've had a real decline in capacity of the world's logistics networks. And until we somehow get the flow to go below normal, it's, it's really going to be very hard to resolve. And so that's a big part of where we think technology can play a role here is like, how do we stuff more stuff in these containers? How do we help to manage the process? And of course, the price mechanism where containers right now, it's costing about four or five times more to ship a container, which is going to lead to real inflation. I, we estimate it's like three to five percent impact on, on the price of final price of goods uh, that are shipped by ocean, which is almost everything.
3: Yeah, we got to get that down because it's a, a lot of commodity prices come down, but this isn't. So, Ryan, let's say uh I ordered a big order of Sonos, uh, which my wife just did for a house, and I say to them, "Look, look, I, I need it. We got a big October party. I want it installed. Can you send it by commercial jet? Put it in the hold of a commercial jet? Can you help me with that one too?" You might be able to afford that, Jim, but ordinary people cannot. And part of an the ordinary person here is.
1: <laughs> well, part My of the problem is, is it- if, you were, if 50% of all the world's air freight flies in the belly of passenger planes. Right. And guess what? They're all grounded because of the pandemic. Right. So maybe there's hope when they're not. No. Yeah, you know, I think actually that is the, that is the real probably solution here is wait it out. Right. No one likes to hear that. But as consumer demand shifts back towards partying, I went to a party the other night. It was pretty fun. I remembered what it was like. And I think you're going to see dollars shift back and the, and the decline in goods. But it may take a while, especially with Christmas season coming up. All
3: right, so, Ron, we've been hearing about a, a, a shortage of toys again because of this. Let's say you were czar, the czar of toys. What would you do to get those toys from China to here?
1: Yeah, well, so a couple of options. I mean, the first option that I've mentioned is like, hey, let's make sure we're maximizing all the space right. we can get. Right. Two, hey, we live in a free market economy, thankfully, and you could pay more which not everybody wants to hear, right. but you can pay more. And there is, a, there is an opportunity to pay extra to get prioritized. And that's, that's kind of what you have to do right now if you want to get loaded. Um, and beyond that, you know, I mean, there's not a huge amount you can do. Uh, if it's coming into Europe, we're seeing a lot of people use the Trans-Siberian Railroad, but now that thing's getting congested. So it's, it's a messy world. Around. There's no doubt you about it. Are
3: kidding me? I mean, are we uh, – we're like – that's where we are?
1: That's where we are. You know, it's pretty fascinating times. And um, it's, it's not it's not pretty. And I, one analogy that I'm using with my team is, is sort of wedding planning is if you're planning a wedding for someone, they tell you they really want to do it outdoors. That's right. cool. And they won't get mad at you if you at you if it rains. As long as you tell them, here's the probability of rain. Right. And here's some options that you could, you know, maybe mitigate that, maybe pay extra for an indoor space as a backup. Well, it's we're planning weddings in Seattle in the middle of the winter right now. Holy That's God. the way I'm t- looking at
3: All it. Right, well, let's do this. Um, it, it, it never. It, it, there was lots of times when it wasn't like this. When can we expect things to get back to normal or is normal just out of the question?
1: I, it, it, you know, it's almost funny to hear the word normal in global logistics because we've had trade wars for the last three years. Right. We had uh, a massive port strike not that long ago on the West Coast. We've had um, really actually the opposite problem we have today five years ago where the price of freight had never been cheaper. We're talking it's now like 20 times higher than it was six years ago. So it is like – there. I don't believe there's a concept of equilibrium. It's an asset-based business that has boom and bust cycles. What you'll see is as consumers shift to like normal, like going out to restaurants and traveling and stuff, the dollars have to shift off of buying stuff. And as that happens, I think you'll get – Something closer to normal, but who knows, it might swing the other way when people find out that their companies ordered too much inventory and are sitting on unsold goods. And, uh, you know, the economy is never a static thing.
3: Ryan, I just saw one thing. I told people there's like 15,000 containers on these boats. No one believes me. Am I even in the ballpark of the jelly bean count?
1: Uh, So they hold about 20,000 TEUs. But remember, a TEU is a 20 foot container equivalent unit. So think about it. About half of that is a 40 foot container, which is really the the real container size. So uh, you're not off. You're not too far off.
3: Well, it is just it is a remarkable business. And I hope you continue to help your clients get the stuff, because when I look at the names and I am somewhat ordinary, but I got to admit. I use a lot of that stuff, and I want it here as fast as possible. We're working
1: hard. We're working hard. We want to get you that Sonos for your new house, man.
3: Thank you, Ryan. We need it for the October party. That's Ryan Peterson. He's founder and CEO of Flexport. Still private. Wish you were public. Great to meet you. man. Money's back after the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got?
4: Kramer's bringing the thunder. And answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round.
3: It is time! There's the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skin that down right now, Command Let's go to Tom in New York. Tom! Hello, Kramer, and booyah! there From you go. Brooklyn, That's the one I've been Jimmy Chill says, "Thank you." What's going on? All right, Jimmy Chill, I got one st- great stock for you with 151 percent growth year to year, with square-like potential. What is your take on SoFi? I am a buyer of Anthony Noto. I think he does a great Funny job. Buy. But candidly, he's also been my friend since 1995. So you could say, wait a second, Kramer likes Noto too much. I like Noto. Let's go to Dexter in California. Dexter. Booyah, Jimbo. How are you? Oh, man, I'm having a good day. How about you? Uh, me too, man. I'm enjoying the sun, the sand, the surf. It's nice to see America open again. I love it. I'm enjoying the New Jersey Turnpike, the, the swamp in the Meadowlands, and uh, the garbage truck that interrupted me during my nap today. What's going on?
6: <laughs> it's all good. Uh, happy it's Friday. Indeed. I'm happy to get out. Like I, and so more importantly, I'm happy to ask you to, to, to analyze a company that you've had on the show before. Right. You liked, I believe.
3: Right they got a good product, good service. The stock sold off. I wonder if this is a good entry point for GoodRx. I like GoodRx. I like the coupon business. But I got to tell you, I just have this bad feel. They're up against Amazon in some way, shape, or form. Or at least that's what the market thinks. That's more important because they really aren't. But people always fear Amazon. I'm going to say you have to stay away for now. I'm sorry, Doug. I really thought you like it. But it's got an Amazon issue. I need to go to Joseph in Florida. Joseph.
6: What's up, my man? How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. How about you? Good, good. Hey, uh, happy birthday to my dad. Happy Father's Day. Quick question. Um, Ashford Hospitality Trust. Is it, is it start? That stock, that's a meme stock that went up. And once it went up, they were able to refinance the preferreds. It's not my game, not my style. I say sell, sell, sell. Mark in Florida, Mark. Hi, Jim. I hope you're well. I'm uh, doing okay. How about you, Mark? Uh, I'm fine, uh, Jim. This is a hard
1: market to figure. I'm watching good companies like Deere and William Sonoma plummet, and my question is about William Sonoma, which I it is purchase. amazing that
3: that stock's going down. You are completely right. I don't think it should be going down. <coughs> the problem is it's up forty eight percent, and everybody's trying to nail down profits. But Laura Albert's doing a great job. I am a buyer, not a seller, of William Sonoma, and I'm not done because right now I'm going to Sarah in Ohio, Sarah.
6: Hey, Jim, love the show, and I'm a first-time caller. Thank you. Yeah, so I need your thoughts on stock here. They make TVs, and they're in the ad marketplace. Vizio, what do you think? Boy, people have given up on this company.
3: I think that it's wrong to give up on it. I still expect it to come down a little bit more as people are in panic mode. Vizio, I say let it go to 18, maybe 17, and then I would. Joe in North Carolina, Joe. Big booyah, Jim. Right back I'm at you. I'm looking
1: at c 3 ai What are your thoughts?
3: Now, this one, Tom Siebel, whom I happen to like very much for 20 years, people don't even understand what the company does. And the people who don't understand what the company does are the people who are bailing. So let's wait till they're done bailing and we can buy it lower. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the inclusion of the Lightning Round!
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, master the unknowns. Be ready for any market. Another edition of Am I Diversified is coming up next.
0: Jim
3: Cramer, you're one of my heroes.
6: I look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me.
3: When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on.
6: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned.
3: A down for the market. It's always good to take a step back and evaluate your holdings. Remember, you should never put all your eggs in one basket when you're investing. I always say that diversification is the best way to play an unpredictable environment like the one we have. We heard Ukraine, America, so that's why tonight we are bringing you a very special Friday edition of MI Diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. And I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough. Maybe you need to mix it up a little. First up, we're going to start with a tweet from at Jr Hammer. 327. Five of my long-term holdings are Corvo, Costco, Mm. Deer, Chevron, and Amgen. Do I have horse sense and hashtag M-I diversified? Thanks, Jim. Okie doke. Chevron, my favorite large cap oil with a good dividend. Amgen, an okay drug company. It's in the Dow. Deer, one of the greatest manufacturers on Earth. Farm equipment. Costco may be the greatest retailer on Earth. And Corvo, a semiconductor company. Semis, oil, retail, uh, medicine, and machinery. Oh, my. I mean, that is just... If there's a way to start having MI Diversified, it is with J.R. Hammer's portfolio. I mean... Unbelievable. Let's go to Tyler in Tennessee. Tyler.
6: Hey, Jimmy. Chiu. I'm wondering if you tell me about some of these stocks in my portfolio. OK. I got IBM, FSR, Fisker, FSX, Freeport, Apple and Alibaba.
3: All right. I say we go to work right now. Okay, Freeport stocks down ten points this week. Largest American copper company, IBM, is putting in two cubbies. Starting act very well. I like what Arvin Christian's doing. Fisker, yes, a giant spec auto. Apple, you know, it's going to be own, don't uh, trade. And Alibaba, one of the few Chinese stocks I'm recommending. So you got a Chinese, uh, let's call it retail for any per- uh, Chinese Amazon. Uh, we've got the greatest. American manufacturer, Apple. People don't think of it as that, but I do. A copper company, a technology company, and an auto company. I like it. It's different enough. These two do not conflict. They don't play anymore in the same areas, unless you have an IBM cell phone. I don't. Let's go to Betsy in California. Betsy.
6: Hey, Jimmy. This is your number one California fan. Holy
3: cow. Uh (laughs) I thought there were others who were vying, but I think you are the one. So go ahead. Well,
6: I'll tell you, um, AMAT is my first stock, oh, okay. and and it's because primarily it observes the Kramer rule of 40, with a growth yes. of 24.88% and a profit margin of 22.35%, although it had a rough day today, it's still up over 50 I know, 50%. it
3: was really down badly today, I thought that was unbelievable. Well,
6: and it was primarily because um, Gary sold 4.8%
3: of oh, his oh, stock. Oh, Gary did?
6: Gary did. Dickerson, yeah. Yeah,
3: Gary Dickerson sold that. Well, I don't know. We have to see whether it's related to options. I'm a big yeah. fan of Gary, So go ahead. Yeah. That's a and big that's a big slug though. That's a yeah, big slug.
6: Well it is, but, but I think it'll be fine. Okay. R H R H is you know, we sure. both love this one. Of course. And that's before that's before. The Europe expansion, that's before the Alpine stuff. Okay. And you know what, Jim? When they opened that Texas restaurant and they opened up the Texas location, they're booked solid through the end of August. I looked at the yacht.
3: I looked at the yacht. The yacht's really beautiful.
6: Go ahead. Oh, my God, yes. And the next one is Boot Barn, which is up 74.40% year to date. Another
3: recommendation yesterday. Absolutely.
6: uh, Denim, 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 and work boots. Right. And the next one is Blackstone cannot say enough good things about Stevie Schwartz. True,
3: true. Okay. Local, local Philadelphian, Absolutely.
6: Uh, uh, well, yes, I knew you'd point out that he of was from Philly. Of course, I'm a hack. <laughs> yep. And the last one is Generac. Jim, we have four seasons in California. We have summer, we have fall, we have spring, and we have fire.
3: I like that. I mean, it's like uh, Earth, Wind, and uh, Fire. All right, all right. Let me go to work with this. This, Look, obviously, first of all, she Betsy knows more about socks than almost anybody, including me. but we've got Generac, which have at one point was up 10 points today, which we love. You know, that's heating. Air. It's a, it's a generator for when your stuff goes down. Applied materials with semiconductor capital equipment. We heard about that unfortunate insider selling boot barn. Another good recommendation yesterday. Its stock is still undercover. Blackstone, great private equity and R.H., Uh, Gary just keeps hitting it out of the park. The new catalog was great. So we got, uh, I'm sorry, Gary, I got to call it this. I still got to call it furniture. I don't mean to. I don't want to limit you to that uh, because I can call it galleries. We've got a generator company. We've got a semiconductor cap equipment. We have retail and we have private equity. No overlap there. We're thrilled. I like it. Clay in Florida. Clay. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Clay. Hey, I would like to have your advice on five stocks. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Alibaba. All right. CSX. Okay. Roblox. Mm hmm. Maxar Technologies. Okay and Merck, Jim, and I diversify. All right. You're certainly playing the game right. Knows the rules. Knows the rules. Okay. Drug companies actually acting really well at the beginning of the day. CSX, very good railroad. Uh, Alibaba, we've got them with Chinese uh, Amazon. Roblox had a little disappointment, I have to admit, in the month of May, uh, but it's uh, software. And then Max Archer called Communications. Communications, railroad, drug, chi- uh, Chinese, Amazon, and a child's game platform. Yes! Everyone won today. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Monday. The news with Shepherd Smith starts now.
5: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Jenny!